RNZ National uh, Friday afternoon means time for Critter of the Week. Nicola Tookie joins me. Hi, Nicola. Afternoon. How are you? Uh, good, thank you. Nicola is the CEO of Forest and Bird, but she doesn't do it alone. She's got all sorts of volunteers and paid staff that fight the good fight for conservation. What are your team up to at the moment, Nick? Uh, they are uh, flat out doing all their nature things, but I just picked up this morning that... Um, because bless them, they do lots of things in their spare time for nature as well. And so our lovely um, regional conservation manager down in Otago and Southland uh, is volunteering herself uh, to celebrate 30 years since the first New Zealand sea lion, uh, I was going to say hatched, but that's not right. <laughs> really worrying about your, uh, yeah, your biological knowledge here. Know, like, well, sea lions don't come in eggs. No, they don't. Well, not on the outside. Um, so, <laughs> uh, back, back in the room. So um, 30 years. So what happened for New Zealand sea lions was they were once found all around our coasts and um, and then humans made them extinct on the mainland um, through hunting them over a long period of time. And so, but 30 years ago, a sea lion came back to, uh, I think, Tyree Mouth, maybe near Dunedin, mm. Um, and she had a pup on the beach, and that sea lion was affectionately dubbed Mum by the locals. And luckily, oh. she had a female pup, and her pup had a female pup. And the, and because the females um, home to a breeding site, that fortuitously started a little micro satellite population because they're normally found 600 kilometres south down right. on the Antarctic Island. Gosh. Um, anyway, lovely Chelsea to celebrate 30 years since Mum had her pup. Uh, she's going on a walk um, from Dunedin to Tyree Mouth, uh, which is a 30-kilometre trip to mark 30 years, and she's trying to raise money for the New Zealand Sea Lion Trust through Give a Little. And uh, I just thought, what a lovely, what a lovely yeah. thing to do. Yeah, and it nine to five. Yeah, exactly. It shows <laughs> how driven they are by the purpose in their work, right, that when they get home from a hard day working at Forest and Bird, they go, what can I do now? Oh, I might do a, a fundraising walk for sea lions. Anyway, I thought that was uh, just lovely. And then I thought about, I should join her. And then I thought about 30Ks. Yeah, thought, that's quite a lot, eh? Flicker yeah. a donation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, donate uh, <laughs> to avoid the walk. Good stuff. Hey, well, I've got some good good news as well. I've just heard from our team at Joya, who make our Critter of the Week t-shirts. Um, yes. And I'm pleased to say that people who ordered them the recent round have started receiving them. Um, I have. Have you? Yeah, no. Well, well, I forgot that I missed the deadline. Um, but oh my they've arrived way earlier than expected, which is cool. The other cool thing is we've got a final total of funds raised by the Quarter of the Week t-shirts, $4,650. Woohoo! Uh, that is fantastic news. I'm still, I'm still a little bit double-taking about... For how many how many critter of the weeks did we say don't miss the deadline, people? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, let's not focus on that. <laughs> let's focus on the fact that uh, we now donate this money to New Zealanders doing cool things in conservation, weeding or picking up rubbish or planting natives or trapping or um, otherwise looking after our natural world. If you could really use some cash to help with your conservation efforts, would you get in touch with us, please? Uh, send me an email, jesse at rnz.co.nz. Uh, preference given to people who haven't received money from us before. Tell us a bit about what you do and tell us where that cash would go. And uh, one thing I would say, is, so yes, do all of that. And further to that, it's really lovely 
bumping into people around the country who go, oh, yeah, you guys gave us money from your T-shirts a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and since then, you know, we've improved our whatever population by X D percent. It's yeah. lovely. I think we talked about one last week in uh, Pirongia. So, yes, jesse at rnz.co.nz. If you've got a voluntary group, uh, could use some cash. Tell us what you'd spend it on and get in touch. Um, you've got us going higher to the mountains this week, Nicola. Yes. Well, increasingly uh, favourite place for me to go so oh, I, I quite like this one I was actually just thinking maybe we've got a Canterbury Scree Cicada protection group out there mm, somewhere that'd be good want, yeah want some money for their uh, <laughs> from the critter t-shirts but um, so this week's critter is the Canterbury Scree Cicada uh, cicadas have a bunch of different names uh, we actually talked about kind of the collective group of cicadas back in 2017, 42 different species and subspecies, and um, but we decided to have a yarn about this one. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Māori names for cicadas include kihi kihi, uh, tatara kihi, and kikihi, which is kind of <clears throat> kind of nice. Yeah, they're all pretty onomatopoeic, aren't they? They are, and I remember... Um, that one of the fun facts that we talked about for cicadas last time was um, Māori, when they kind of started to get to know European settlers as they were arriving around the country, couldn't really make much sense of what they found quite staccato, sharp-sounding sort of noises <laughs> in terms of <laughs> yeah, the language. Yeah. And so they described the language of the European settlers as te reo kihi kihi, which is interesting. <laughs> that is, I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. uh, the scientific name's quite beautiful too for a change. The scientific name is beautiful. So Māori cicada, mangu, mangu. So that's a, that's a genus, a species and a subspecies name there. Um, and it's interesting. Um, so mangu is um, a, a te reo word for like black or very, very dark. Yeah. And that's what's interesting about these alpine um, cicadas is that uh, they are all smaller than other species and um, very dark, up living up there in the high alpine environments. Um Although they have beautiful uh, olive-coloured eyes. I really like the eyeballs of this particular cicada. People can check it out on our website, by the way. Yeah, and interestingly, they um, they have five eyes. Oh, do they? They? Are, they are not part of five no, eyes. They're they're not, <laughs> they're not, or are they? <laughs> New Zealand's contribution uh, to five eyes. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is taking nature-based solutions yeah. to the next level. Um, so they have their sort of olivey, you know, insecty looking kind of compound eyes, and then right on in between you'll see a little triangle, uh, and they, and these are three smaller eyes, and those eyes are called ocelli, and they look like little ruby kind of jewels, if you like. Um, we're not quite sure what the ocelli do, uh, but we think it helps them um, triangulate the direction of the sun or the movement of shadows or, you know, potential predators, for example. Um, and you, if you are living in the high alpine environment, so, you know, relatively high, they, they're found between 1,200 and 1,800 metres. And what's fascinating about this is there are no other uh, alpine-adapted cicadas anywhere else in the world. That is funny, isn't it? That's very... um, And you pointed out that we've also got the only alpine parrot, so that's two... Yeah. That's a very cool aspect to New Zealand ecology. 
Very cool. Um, and and our, our alpine flora and fauna is quite fascinating. And even though I don't really like walking up hills, uh, when I go out and about in the high country, uh, particularly in Canterbury, in the South Island, it is quite fascinating, the, the little plants and um, creatures that you come across. And these guys uh, are little. So, you know, the, the largest um, uh, cicada that I came across uh, in my research is one from Java in Borneo, which is eight centimetres long, but it has a wingspan of 20 centimetres. And I'm pretty sure you get a fright if you heard one of them. Uh, these ones are only... <laughs> Indeed. I got, I'm pretty good with creepy crawlies these days, but if a cicada lands in my hair or on my shoulder, I, I, I get a bit panicky. Yeah, there's an instant panic response. And, panic, and rightly so, right? And I'll get to that in a second in terms of the noise that they make. So, But our, our alpine cicadas, all of them are small. There's about 19 species and subspecies that hang out in the mountains. So, you know, we are, we are blessed with a, a, um, a number in fact, of alpine cicadas. These ones are only about a centimetre and a half long. So oh, that's tiny. Like a pumpkin seed. So, yeah, you really have to look out for them. You kind of need five eyes yourself to look out for them. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, they are basking up on the rocks in the scree. So, you know, if, for the last time that I was up in the scree, I was tar hunting. I was trying not to die, mostly, <laughs> quite steep. Um, but if I'd uh, perhaps been on a slightly lower slope, I might have looked around for um, <laughs> for an alpine, a Canterbury-scree cicada, because they would have been there. Uh, I, if, if you remember, when we talked about cicadas last time around, the thing about them, of course, is the noise, and that's why we're talking about them now. Is you, well, you would think we are starting to move into summer. I've just seen a hailstorm and some snow and sleet here. Yeah, it's been hosing down in Auckland as well, but... Um... <laughs> Technically, 27th of October, yes, summer months yes. are almost here. Summer months are almost here, and our cicadas start to make their, their voices heard. Uh, and, and In Auckland, I'm sure you'll be very aware of that, right? And yeah. the way that they do it, um, so if you think about what a wetter does, it, it stridulates, right? And I'm sure you're all over that. So what it does is it rubs its leg against its kind of, it, almost like in a one-man band with the washing board. That's what that does. <laughs> yeah. You know, kind of... Yeah, yeah. Um, but a cicada, um, well, they can some of the species of cicada, these ones use a timbal, right? So think about like a bongo drum, or even better, if you've got a one and a half empty one and a half uh, Coke bottle, yeah, and you push it inside and out, and it you know it kind of makes that popping sound. Yeah, yeah. That's what they're doing, but they're doing it 600 times a second, and I definitely can't do that with a Coke bottle. Well, what is the, um, what is the cicada equivalent of the Coke bottle? Is it their, their diaphragm or something? It's a, um, well, it's these little, like, um, drum, basically like a drum lid yeah. uh, that sits by their back legs. Gosh. They, only the males sing, but uh, the noise of them is very significant. So some species of cicada can be like louder than a blimmin' um, tractor. You know, they are, I was going to say, louder than my husband snoring. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. True. I'll always anyway. defend a snorer. Oh, really? I wake up oh. in the morning, my wife will say, man, you were a loud snorer last night. I say, I was unconscious. Can't blame me. <laughs> well, not me. 
yes, no, there's a lot of snoring in this house. I think I'd prefer uh, cicadas. <laughs> Anywho, uh, the cicadas can, be, yeah, they can be as loud, some of them are as loud as a, as a motorbike or it's like having a lawnmower around. But interestingly, each species have their own different dialect. And actually, if you're in Auckland and you're not hanging on climbing mountains looking for the Canterbury yeah. scree wetter, if you snap your fingers repeatedly, you can actually try and lure them down and catch one in your hand. There's a trick for summer. Really? Um, yeah. Because they like, the males will obviously be lured in by that kind of a sound. Gosh. They're trying to get rid of the competitor because they're singing to impress the ladies. The ladies don't sing. They just... They're just waiting for the American idol of cicadas. <laughs> um, they start to, and and it's interesting because they they're not they only live for a couple of months in their adult form. So and prior to that, they're living under the ground. And so for these wee alpine cicadas, uh, in this for some years, we we're not quite sure. I know that in America. There are there are a couple of species of cicada that live under the ground for up to seventeen years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the wee uh, Canterbury scree cicada, we're not quite sure. But what they do need are um, kind of near glaciers or patches of snow where the kind of melt water hangs out. They need that moisture like mm. most insects do. Um, and so obviously, we're looking at a, an El Nino sort of a year. We're looking at increasing kind of heat and dry as um, one of the impacts of ongoing ongoing threats of climate change. And so, you know, that may well um, put them further at risk. And they are um, in the kind of at-risk, naturally uncommon category. So um, we don't quite know what's going on with them. We certainly don't quite know what they're doing under the ground other than we know that cicadas are sap suckers. So they like to um, plug into, if they're a nymph, the root of the plant and um, and suck on sap until they've had <laughs> enough and grow up. Uh, interestingly, males can suck sap and sing at the same time. Oh, it was fascinating. They um, obviously are multitask better than the uh, human species. Um, could, yes. I, could I invite you to rate the attractiveness of this particular cicada, the Canterbury Scree cicada, on a scale of 1 to 10? Sure. Um, it, I, I think you're right. It's got incredible, um, incredible, lovely olive eyes, uh, beautifully camouflaged, uh, and very tiny. It's probably a 4.3. Woohoo! <laughs> I think I'd be happy with that. I'm, I'm now going to make it my mission to find one. Yeah, cool. Send me a picture. Roger. Might need a pretty good phone though to pick it up. It only <laughs> what'd you say? A centimetre long? Yeah. Pumpkin yeah. seed. Gosh. Could be a problem. Nicola Tookie, see you at the Hawks Bay Writers Festival this weekend. Can't wait, Jesse. See you there. Me too. And time for me to go. I hand over to Wallace Chapman and the panel.